We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. And I'm just going to get straight into it. The Chargers flopped yet again. I knew going into Denver is always, every single year, is going to be a trap game for the Chargers, no matter how good the Chargers are, no matter how bad the Broncos are. But for that offense to put up that big of a stinker it is concerning. And I'm I'm not at the point of no return where it's like, okay, the season's over and you know we're probably, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs and we should just tank. First of all, tanking isn't a real thing. Like players need to earn contracts, right? They have to play hard. So no one is going to tank. But I'm at that point where it's like, I don't know what this team is anymore. They are so inconsistent from week to week. And it's tough to watch. It, it really is. Like this offense just didn't look in sync yesterday. And I mean, I got a, I got a ton of stats I want to go over. But I, the first thing I want to talk about is the coaching staff. Let's just start off with this. If you think Brandon Staley is not a good coach, then I I disagree with you. I've I saw some takes. Brandon Staley is overrated. He's not a good coach. He's still like super young. Yes, he's a very young coach. He's coming off his first year of defensive play calling. He's never had personnel authority before we don't know what kind of role he was with the rams in terms of you know drafting players or um what influence he had in the draft room now i don't specifically agree with like some of his personnel decisions i don't agree with some of his playtime decisions go watch tyler's video that he put out on monday about that because i thought i agree with everything tyler said there's some personnel decisions where i'm just you know what are they doing Brandon Staley is one of the best coaches at being, you know, data driven. He knows when to go for it on fourth down. He has been aggressive, even in his own territory. So there are aspects to his coaching that you don't see from 90% of the other coaches, except for Kevin Stefanski and John Harbaugh. He knows how to implement data in his you know, decisions. He, I'm hoping he does that with his game planning. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes but during game day when it comes to make when it comes to the coach making tough decisions he has made the mathematical decision most of the time which is good to see okay let's move on to Joel Lombardi now now I've seen so many people for the past couple of weeks say you know Joel Lombardi needs to be fired you know he's not a good offensive coordinator let me ask you this are you willing to put Herbert through his sixth 
offensive coordinator in six years? Are you? Because if you are, then go ahead. Stunt his development another year. Make him have to gain chemistry with another offensive uh, play caller. Make him have to learn a completely new offense yet again. Because this is already one of the most complex offenses in the NFL, theoretically, since it's coming from the Saints. If you want Justin Herbert to scrap everything he's learned over the past six months and make him learn an entire, entirely new playbook by the end of the year, go ahead. I don't even care if it's a promotion like Shane Day or Kevin Coger or Frank Smith. If you want to fire Joe Lombardi, you are making Justin Herbert learn and stunt his development yet again. Firing Joe Lombardi is off the table, okay? I've said he hasn't been a good play caller for parts of the year. Did I think his play calling was bad against Denver? It had his moments. Like, I, I, I don't think it was awful, but, you know, he could have helped Herbert a little bit more. We'll talk about that. But you cannot fire another play caller because you are going to put Justin Herbert in a bad situation. You need to let him and Justin Herbert grow. That's my take. That's what I think about the coaches. Okay, now, this Broncos game is... I, I just don't know what to say. I'm just going to read some stats to you guys, right? Let, let's put it this way. Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley run a very, very similar scheme. Two high coverages, cover six and cover four. So coming into this game, I was like, okay, Chargers are probably going to, you know, have a good, you know, decent time with this Broncos defense. No Kareem Jackson, no Shelby Harris. Bradley Chubb's first game back, probably going to be on the snap count. That our offensive line sucked. We know what Sunil Kelamedi did. I'm not going to read his stats. But for that defensive line without Shelby Harris and for Bradley Chubb to play like, you know, not a majority of his normal snaps, for the offensive line to get dominated like it did is, is just, it's an indictment of how bad Tom Telesco has been at drafting and signing players. And I'm sure I'll make a whole nother video on what I think about Tom Telesco in the future. But, you know, the bottom line is he's a very he's been very good at keeping the Chargers in a healthy cap situation. He is not better. He's not a good drafter. He's hit on a couple first rounders. He hasn't been good in the, on in the third round and he has not been good in the late rounds. So here, here's some stats about from the Broncos game that I think is, is really relevant to my opinion on Justin Herbert's development against cover six. Justin Herbert averaged around a 0.35, a negative 0.35 EPA per play. Let me read that again. Against cover six, which is a staple of both Saley and Fangio scheme, Justin Herbert averaged a negative, around a negative 0.35 EPA per play. So when I'm thinking that Staley is going to teach Herbert, okay, you can, if this, if they run cover six, this is your read, blah, blah, blah. He sucked. He sucked. The offense sucked against a defense that Staley runs at an abnormally high, higher rate than the league average. So that's concerning. Second, I talked about this with Tyler and, and Alex, I'm pretty sure, in our live stream. The Chargers are not good against man coverage. They can't separate except for Keenan Allen. When the Broncos ran cover one yesterday, they ran it um, 20 times. When the Broncos ran cover one, the Chargers averaged a negative 0.425 EPA per play. That is awful. Now, I know the Broncos have good, a good secondary. Darby, Sertan, Fuller has been eh this year. And then Justin Simmons is obviously one of the best safeties. But for them to average a negative 0.425 
EPA per play against cover one, it, it, it more speaks to two things. The Chargers can't get open one-on-one. Um, -on -one. And number two, the, the coaching staff isn't doing a good job of scheming players open. And that's the important part, right? Like the, the whole idea of the Saints mixed with the Packers, mixed with the 49ers, mixed with the Raiders, you're supposed to have this like beautiful fusion of all of these, you know, concepts, right? But what, what's really happened is there, I, there's nothing. Like, I don't know what this offense gives us. I don't see any ingenuity. It, uh, Nate, uh, Nate Tice was talking about it on the athletic football show. The Chargers, the, the Saints are supposed to have one of the most complex offenses in the NFL. It seems like the Chargers are so predictable with how they run their offense. You know, it, the, the run form, the formations that they run a run play out of are so predictable when they bring an offense, extra offense alignment, usually it's like a counter they might, or they take a uh, play action deep shot. The, there's certain formations where they'll only run play action out of, there's no creativity. Everything is short throws, right? Here's, here's a stat that it may seem confounding because it is. So the chargers had seven explosive passes yesterday, or since I'm making this on Monday on Sunday, right? So they had seven plays of 15 or more yards, uh, when they passed the ball against the Broncos. But four of those plays came on third and fourth down, and uh, five of those plays came in the third and fourth quarter. And in total, three of those seven plays came when the Chargers were losing by 14. So it's weird. Like, the, it doesn't feel like the Chargers gain a lot of explosive passes because it's a lot of it is after the catch stuff, even though it feels like the Chargers should be gaining most of their yards through the air with, with how good Justin Herbert is, right? On the season, though, and this is this is where, like, I, I'm just, I'm so confused about this offense because it doesn't make sense. Like, it, it feels like it's worse than the stats actually show. On the season, the Chargers rank fourth in explosive pass plays with 82. They rank 10th in the league and explosive pass percentages. So you take 82 divided by their number of um, offensive plays, which is 525. And the Chargers have an explosive pass play on 15.6% of um, their overall plays. Now, here's the thing. The Chargers are being forced to do what Brandon Staley tries to do to other teams. And that, my friends, is the biggest issue with the Chargers right now. The Chargers are being forced to do what Brandon Staley forces other teams to do, which is move the ball down the field in a slow, methodical way and hope or expect the Chargers to make a mistake, which they did multiple, multiple times against the Broncos. If you need an example, I have, I got you right here. The Chargers rank second in the league in the average number of offensive plays per drive. They average 6.8 offensive plays per drive. You know who's first? The Kansas City Chiefs, who Brandon Staley specifically built his defense to stop. So this, the Chiefs average 7.1 offensive plays per drive. The Chargers are second at 6.8. Do you know what that tells me? They're treating Justin Herbert like Patrick Mahomes. So if you're if you're a fan and you see opposing defensive coordinators treating your quarter your favorite quarterback like the best quarterback in the or 
you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. If they're treating Herbert like Mahomes, what does that tell you about Herbert? It doesn't tell you that it's all his fault. But yes, he has been bad since the bye week. He has struggled against good defensive coordinators. He has struggled making post-snap reads. And he's struggled in places where I expected him to get better at, which is, you know, being able to diagnose split safety coverages. But in the long run, I think it's a good thing that they're treating him like Patrick Mahomes. The issue is the Chargers just, the Chargers don't have that big play threat. I don't remember the last time Jalen Guyton caught a 30-yard bomb down the sideline. And I don't know if that's, you know, the defense taking that pass away because we don't ever get to see those angles unless you have the all 22. I don't know if they just don't take the deep shots because the defense is not there. It's something that the coaching staff has told Herbert, like, just take the under route, just take the safer throw. But we haven't seen that explosive plays play through the air. And that's why the stats, why the numbers are a little confusing to me. They have the fourth most explosive plays in the league. They have the 10th highest explosive pass percentage, but they just, it doesn't come together all at the right time. And there's games like the Steelers, like the Browns and the Eagles, where everything clicks. There's games where if the offense looks like, okay, this is what we expected the offense to be, but it doesn't happen all the time. And as you see on my screen, this is the Chargers offensive um, efficiency by EPA ever since, you know, week one. Like, look at this. Just like, look at this. Uh, look at the volatility of this offense you have in the in the past seven weeks guys if you're listening to this on spotify or whatever in the past seven weeks the chargers have had four performances beneath the nfl's 25th percentile of offensive game performances on the flip side they've had three performances higher than the 75th percentile in fact they have three performances higher than the 80th percentile of game performances in terms of EPA per play. And so this volatility is not, you're not gonna be able to win that way. You're not like, this is the one of the most inconsistent offenses. And again, the math backs that up, right? Like the Chargers have, have just struggled to, to play consistently from week to week. If we look at uh, this tweet I put out where I calculated the standard deviation of every single team's um, EPA per play per game, the Chargers have the second most volatile uh, offense in the league in terms of their standard deviation from the from the mean. So basically what I'm saying is I, if you plot the Chargers average um, EPA per play for the course of the season, and then you plot every single performance along like a, a line or something, or if you plot the Chargers EPA per play for every single game, and you compare it to their average EPA per play for the entire season, the Chargers have the second highest standard deviation. And weirdly enough, the Bengals have the first highest standard deviation because of performances like they had versus the Steelers, right? So this weekend is going to be a battle of the most volatile offenses. One team is probably going to you know, have this huge offensive performance, and one team is probably going to suck. Given how volatile the Bengals have been and given how volatile we have been, and how the shape of this graph has looked, I'm hoping that this line goes up like it has in the past couple of weeks and the Bengals goes down like it has in the past couple of weeks. But I mean, if you want to pause this and look at it, it's, it's just disappointing. You know, we come off such a good victory offensive performance versus the Steelers. And then 
you know, we we just stink the bed versus versus the Broncos. And then just real quickly, I'll put this together for the defense. Um, as you can see, the defense has been just awful the past four weeks. I mean, like you come off the bye, right? The Chargers right now, since weeks, week eight, which is after their bye week, since week eight, the Chargers have had the 28th best or fifth worst defense per EPA per play. And they've had the fifth worst defense against the Patriots, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Broncos. The Patriots are an average, slightly above average offense. The Eagles are not a good, like they're an average offense. Vikings are the only good offense the Chargers have played. The Steelers suck. The Broncos suck, okay? And they just they have the, the fifth worst defense. I don't care about injuries. Do not tell me injuries are the issue because injuries expose depth. I've been saying it the whole year. The Chargers are not Super Bowl contenders because they don't have the depth. You don't go into the season with Tavon Campbell as your, as your first backup corner. You don't go into the season with Storm Norton as your backup tackle and expect to be Super Bowl contenders. And that's just not how the NFL works, okay? You have veteran guys. You don't have CFL uh, standouts. You don't have XFL standouts as your key backup players at important positions. It's it's just it's just so disappointing to see. And I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm concerned about the long term uh, or I'm concerned about the rest of the season. I really just don't know how the last six games are going to play out. Um, let's just preview the Bengals real quick before we, we give our final thoughts. So the Bengals this year have played cover three at about an average rate. They play cover two at a very high rate, which is, you know, keep that in mind for one of the next things I'm going to show. They don't play a lot of cover one relative to the league average, which is, you know, good for us. They do blitz very often. Lou Aramuno. So I, I know his first name is Lou. They're the Bengals defensive coordinator. He's an attacking DC. He's going to blitz. He's going to bring an extra guy. He's going to try to disguise his looks. Mike Hilton is one of the best blitzing stock corners in the NFL. I'm just worried that if we don't have Matt, Matt Filer, it's going to be another dreadful day for the offensive line. Trey Hendrickson has outperformed expectations, including mine. Like I, I didn't know what to expect from him coming into this year. I thought the Bengals paid him because he, he had a lot of sacks instead of a lot of pressures, but he's, he's been really good this year. And I, I, I have to give all the credit to him. So this is what the Bengals defensive breakdown looks like. Um, this hasn't been updated for this past week, but you know, the, the average won't change as much. Um, if we look at how successful they've been at running each thing, remember you want to be negative for defense. So as you can see, they've been very, very good when running cover four and six. And if you, you know, if you stayed with me throughout the course of this video and heard me say Herbert sucked like awful, he was so bad against the Broncos versus cover six. This is, this is very um, this is very concerning because the Bengals have been really, really good compared to league average at running cover six. Now they don't run cover six often, but I don't know what type of analytics that they do over there. I know they have a guy um, from Bates University. Um, I don't know what their game plan is going to be because they have run a lot of cover two and a lot of cover three and a lot of cover one. But if they run a lot of those split safety looks, uh, I think Herbert is going to struggle because if we look at how Justin Herbert has been against every single coverage, he struggled versus cover zero. That's his worst coverage that he's gone up against in terms of his EPA per play versus that coverage. And again, I think, I think he, I think the blame for his struggles against cover zero is because of the offensive coordinator and the play calls. 
you know, when a team runs cover zero, you need to have your first read. You need to have your, your guy like, like that. Like you need to know who you're going to, or you need to have guys ready to be schemed open. You need to have mesh concepts. You need to have, uh, you know, crossers over the middle. You need to have something that can help your quarterback, you know, get someone or find someone to throw to, and they just haven't. Same thing with cover one. That's his second wor or third worst covers that he's played against. He's, he's not been good versus cover two also. So I don't know. This is it's going to be a big game. Um, you know, he's been really good against cover six and cover four. But like I said, this hasn't been updated for this for this past weekend. Um, if you want to go ch check it out, see how Herbert's done against um, has done against each coverage when it's been updated, probably on Wednesday or Thursday. Go check out the kneel down. Go check out Ryan Wiseman 12 um, on Twitter, you know, fellow. Oh, right you can see it down here yeah he's a fellow pff intern with me he does a lot of great stuff and he's been i mean everyone asked for oh can we see coverage stats and stuff he does an awesome job putting this website together for free you don't have to pay it's for everyone to look at um so yeah if you just really want to quickly look at how much teams have played each coverage versus herbert play a lot of cover one because our receivers can't separate play play a lot of cover three disguise single or too high to single high looks same thing with cover two uh, they don't really play a lot of cover six, but I'm, I'm going to expect the Bengals to play a lot of cover six now, uh, given the success that the Broncos had. So, yeah, that, that's it. Like, the Chargers are struggling right now offensively, um, haven't been able to put two consistent games together since, I don't know, the Raiders and Browns game or the Chiefs, you know, Raiders game. Um yeah, it's disappointing. Remember, like, I think if you stayed with me to the end of the video, and thank you if you did, the main takeaway I want you to have from this is the Chargers are being forced to play like Brandon Staley forced other teams to play him last year. They're being forced to methodically move the ball down the field, play by play, dink and dunk their way down the field. They have, they're being forced to establish the run. They're being forced to, you know, convert, at a high rate or convert first downs at a high rate because they can't just launch the ball down the field like they have in years past or, or last year, not years past. And they're struggling at doing that because this team can't stay out of its own way with penalties. Uh, you know, they, I don't know if penalties have been higher this year. I've, I've done a, I did a study on that. The penalties in terms of every single week has risen since like week five or six. And the Chargers are just, you know, when the offensive line doesn't play well, the team doesn't play well. And, and so that's why you need explosive plays. And the Chargers, while they have ranked fourth and 10th in explosive play and explosive play percentage, respectively, it just doesn't feel like it because everything is, is quick game or it's a first read throw. So I, like I said, I genuinely don't know how to fix this offense right now. Um, it's, it is too early to, to look ahead to next year and to free agency because we're still in the hunt. We still have the seventh seed. But if we lose to the Bengals, um, our playoff hopes are pretty much diminished statistically and mathematically speaking. And that's not me being negative. That's just stating the facts. So it's a big game. The Bengals have one of the best wide receiver trios in the NFL. Probably not going to have Asante Samuel back, but I, I'm really interested to see what Staley does because not only do the Bengals have a really good wide receiver trio, that Bengals run game is one of the best in the NFL right now. They run a, sh a, a ton of outside zone and they have the personnel to do it. 
um, even though they didn't really address the offensive line that much this offseason. So, like I said, should be a good matchup. I really hope the Chargers win because this is the game that probably decides whether or not the Chargers make the playoff or not. But regardless, you know, still going to pull for our guys and hope they win. And if you made it to the end of the video again, thank you so much. With that, as always, bolts up. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.